Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver. Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have a great pleasure of chatting with somebody who's inspiring a generation a lot younger than I am. Um, hello there, Kamal Ellis-Hyman. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Whereabouts in the world are you today? Uh, I am in the exotic, beautiful Peterborough. Oh, wow, very nice. Very nice. Is it, <laughs> is it raining like it is up in Lancashire? Do you know what? It's actually all right today. Yeah, the last two days have actually been okay. So it is exactly. If you ever look on like a weather map, it's really weird. Weather tends to go around it. So we get like rain and we get wind, but anytime yeah. the rest of the country's like, we've got snow, we're like, where? We, wow. we don't get it. It's a really weird sort of spot. Yeah, you've got your own climate. Hey, no, very good, very good. So those people that, uh, there might be a few people that don't know who you are. So who are you and have you got to sit in that seat today? Uh, so my name is Kamal Ellis-Hyman. Uh, I'm 25 years old. And basically, uh, I'm the founder of a company called Aim A Little Higher. And what we get to do is travel the UK, speaking schools, colleges, um, universities, corporate companies, primary schools. And basically, the company was set up with the goal of helping young people base their aspirations on their potential rather than their circumstances. So, and also get them ready for the real world. Yeah. So we'll go in, we'll do speeches that might be like up to an hour. We do Q and A's, we do workshops that can last up to sort of six weeks. And the goal is to just help young people figure out who they are, what they want and how to go and get it really. So why was that important to you? Why, why did you like, or where were you when you, when you sat down or maybe stood up and that idea popped into your head? <laughs> And why was that important to you? Um, so I remember the exact moment. It was February. It was February 2013. It was about 3 a.m. in the morning. I knocked on mum and dad's room after watching some Tony Robbins videos um, and some other speakers, Bob Proctor, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I knocked on the door like, I want to be a motivational speaker. And they were like, cool, go do it. Close the door. <laughs> um, but I basically really fell in love with the idea of communicating with people and helping them feel like they could do more. But I hated the the sort of like typical cheesiness that seems to come along that didn't quite translate with the British audience. Yeah. So I show my friends, maybe like, this is just cheesy. I'm like, yeah, but, but listen to what he's saying. Um, so I, I really wanted to do it based, based off of sort of trying to be that voice. I think I was really lucky with the parents I had. Yeah. So mum's a life coach, dad works with young people in a secure unit and that kind of thing. So I've always been surrounded by this idea of, hey, do whatever you want to do if it makes you happy and just go for it and if you fail who cares like crack get up and crack on and yeah i didn't realize that i was so lucky to have that instilled from such a young age i thought that was just standard for everybody okay, so yeah. when i got a bit older and became a bit more socially aware i was like geez someone needs to talk to these kids so I was like, i'll do it yeah no amazing amazing so what, why did you choose that in fact what age group is it that you i guess that you concentrate on and, and why did you choose that age group well initially i wanted to talk to six formers initially okay. i was like i want to talk to the 16 to 18 year olds because they're at a point where they are choosing their subjects they are no longer you no longer have to sort of like be really gentle with them you can be very harsh very real but also they can practically start a business right now yeah. Um, but 
what happens is you go somewhere, you do a good job, and they say, hey, can you speak to our, our year nine, you speak to our year ten. So now I literally speak to the youngest ages year three. Wow. We do primary schools, and we go right up to the other day I had, I can't say how old the lady and gent were, but they were adult learners who had gone out, had kids, had careers, gone back to uni to do something they actually love. And they were in the audience and came to speak to me afterwards. So oh, it now varies a lot, but my initial getting into the industry, I want to talk to sixth form and college students. Yeah, I, lo- I love that what you say about it. it's based on potential rather than circumstance as well. Uh, so how did, I, I mean, that, that as a tagline is so powerful. And <laughs> how, how did you come to that and, and realise that that was, that was the thing that, that you wanted to tap into? Um, I used to have this real issue with the word potential. So I'd hear it all the time, you've got potential, you've got potential. And I felt amazing about it. Until one day my dad was like, do you actually know what potential means? And I was like, yeah, it means I'm going to be the best. It made me look up the dictionary and it said capable of being, but not yet in existence. Oh, wow. Ouch. I don't, ow, that hurts. (laughs) And he started to sort of tell me, you need to start getting worried when teachers and people keep telling you you've got potential because it means you're capable of doing way more than you're doing right now. So initially, the idea was sort of get everyone away from that potential idea. Yeah. And then later on, when I started to get a bit more socially aware and understand what was going on and understand that actually I've lived quite a nice life. Not that my parents are rich or anything like that by any means, but they were self-employed. So I got to see them all the time. So they yeah. got to my football games and things like that. And I just, once I realized that wasn't the standard and that parents don't necessarily have that kind of time or attitude towards their kids, it was like, geez, everyone's making decisions based on their circumstances. I see kids with parents with money and they just expect to go and make money. I see me who parents own businesses. I just expect to own a business. I would I'd never have, why would I get a full-time job? It makes no sense. Own your own business. Yeah. And I realized everyone's doing things based purely on circumstance, not on what they're actually capable of. So I was like, how do we get them to do, to focus on what you're capable of regardless of what your parents do? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just became the mission. I read a book called Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that sort of blew my mind because I was like, geez, yeah, what's the bigger mission? And that's how I got down to like the tagline of potential over circumstances. So what's your bigger mission? What's your biggest, what is your infinite goal or infinite mission with this? Oh, to me, I would just love to see a world where we actually have an even playing field for young people, meaning... Every young person understands that there's some stuff they're amazing at, some stuff they absolutely suck at and are okay with it and just fully embrace their thing without feeling pressured by their parents, without feeling pressured by their successful cousin who they never see but always hear about um, and without being judged on what their parents have achieved because it's really none of your business. It's about you. Um, So my ideal sort of mission is just to create a world where, yeah, we just feel comfortable enough to just go with our natural abilities. And that could mean everyone's an entrepreneur. It could mean some people are in business and just love it and they love working with somebody, but everyone is doing what they want to do because they want to do it. Yeah. Which I think is an impossible mission to ever complete. 
but <laughs> but but that that makes you to you carry on going with it though, doesn't it? So it's a, it's a big enough it's a big enough goal and big enough mission for you to for to, to continue and, and maintain it. When you talk about it, you're so passionate about it as well, and that's <laughs> that, that comes that comes across. It's, it's yeah, it's amazing. And I've sent you before just before I hit the record one. I've uh, I've seen a number of your videos on on LinkedIn, and what I love about those videos and when when I see you doing that is is the kids' faces. Uh, in the rows, in the schools, and things like that. So, to, I guess to to touch so many lives, how how do you what what how do you get them to smile the way that they're smiling and and maybe and resonating with what you're saying? What 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 is it you do with them? I talk to them like I'm their big brother, not like I'm their teacher, like I'm their mentor, like I'm better than them. I talk to them. The first fifteen to twenty minutes of my speech, I'm literally just taking the mic out of myself and talking about how. I came into Peter, was the only black dude in class, and the weird questions I got asked by people like, hey, can you rap? Can you run first? Are you from the <laughs> ghetto? And dealing with that, I talk about trying to play football and getting the ball smashed in my face and being dropped from the team in year seven for five years and all like playing rugby and running in the opposite direction. And I literally talk to them about my failures for the first 15 minutes because I want them to understand that it's not big me, little you. It's just, I'm a bit older. I've I've done the journey you're about to go through. Here's some tips that I wish I'd known a bit earlier. And I yeah. find when you talk to young people from that place, they're in. They're like, cool, let's, let's have a chat. Let's listen. When you go in there and say, oh, well, actually, here's what I got at GCSE and I'm doing really well. Even though I tell them all these things, I tell them later and I tell them in a way where it's like, here's a mistake, here's the lesson. Oh, and oh, by the way, it worked out really well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, it's like a bit of a science. It's, it's really funny. Sometimes people like hear what I do and, they're, and, they're, and they have that attitude of, oh, so you speak. It's not really that hard. I'm like, well, hey, you have an audience of 500 teenagers and, and let me know how it goes. It, there is like a science to it. And it is that thing of you've got to be on their level and lift them, but not drag them. It's the yeah. best way I can describe it. Yeah, no, amazing, amazing. And and so when you said you, you, you um, show them or teach them some, some key tips and some key learnings, what are, yeah. some of, what are some of those things? Really simple, three. Know yourself, know your vision, don't chase your dreams. Uh, and <laughs> I enjoy the don't chase your dreams bit because everyone always is like, whoa, this was really great up until that point. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is that this whole thing of like chase your dreams is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. And it's, I think it's poison because we're saying run really fast in that direction after that thing till you catch it. And I always use the example of my dog when he gets out and he runs down the street and I start chasing him, I explain I could run really fast. I could do a side flip over an old age pensioner. I could jump over a fence. I could run 100 metres in eight seconds faster than Usain Bolt. And I ask them, at that point, you think I'm successful? And most of them are like, yeah, you run faster than Usain Bolt. That's great. There'll always be one kid who goes, no. I'm like, why? He's like, because you haven't got your dog. And I'm like, exactly, exactly. This chase your dream thing says you'll be successful once you do that. And then all of a sudden, we forget all the good things we've done up until that point. And we don't take anything into consideration. We don't take any, any pride, any joy in it. We simply don't feel good enough because we haven't got that thing. And then the worst thing is once you catch it, you just want more because you realise you're capable of more. Yeah. And it bugs me. So, yeah, we always say don't chase your dreams, build them. Oh, amazing. So, so how does – because some, some people must want um, some big, big dream, some big goal. Oh, yeah. How, how do you get them to, to flip from that to actually um, to building towards it? What is, what is it you, you recommend they do? So my, my thing is like how you look at it. So I'm really, 
I'm a dad now, so I get to watch Grand Designs, right? And the thing I love about Grand Design is I love houses. I, will, I can drive past houses and I just love architecture and houses. And I always say, if you think of like your main goal is the house, that dream house, that gorgeous house, you should have that image, be in love with that image, stick it up somewhere and, and leave it there. Now we've got to get practical. To build, you've got to dig a hole, you've got to dig a foundation. It's messy, it's dirty, you get no awards for the nicest hole on the street. No one cares at that point, but you have to do the foundation to start to build anything. Yeah. So first is getting everyone into the mentality of, right, stage one, design, I've done that, I know what it looks like. Stage two, digging a hole. And if you can get into that digging a hole mentality, you realize you're not going to get much reward, you're not going to get the praise, you're not going to make a bunch of money at this stage, but it's vital. Um, so a great example for me is I do spoken word as well, like poetry. Okay. And I had this one piece. It went viral on YouTube. It got like, I say viral, back then it was viral. They're doing crazy numbers now. But <laughs> it got sort of like 50,000 views on YouTube. I had Tony Robbins, Adrian Lester, Damon Wayne, all these people I really admire reach out to me and retweet it. Amazing. And then people were like, what else you got? And I was like, nothing. It's my first poem. So I got all this like praise and stuff. And it literally disabled me from writing for, I want to say four, four or five years. Wow. I was just scared it would never live up to that first piece. So now I'm writing again and I don't care how it goes at the moment. Yeah. I know as long as I keep writing and keep producing poems, next time I get one that does really well, I'm going to be able to say, oh, you like that? Well, here's 70 other ones that I wrote. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just really explain that you've got to get into that mentality of I'm just digging a foundation. It's yeah. not the, the amazing bit. If I get this right, I can build whatever I want on top of it. Yeah. So I get them into design it, make the foundation. Now let's start doing the steps, the brick, some brick by brick. And you can't look at a house and tell me which is the most important brick because I can take out any brick and the house will still stand. Yeah. Let's get them to understand that we don't give more power to like the newspaper article you got or the, the tweet you sent out. It, it's all relevant. It's all part of building this final thing. Um, and once we can get people to understand that mentality, I think we'll all stop beating ourselves up so much stop stressing over like which decisions to make and we just make a decision and see what happens. Yeah. Because if you lay one brick, you can just kick it off and <laughs> just come back tomorrow and place a new one. Yeah. No, so, Deborah, I've, got, so I've got so many questions though. So um, spoken word, um, what do you write about? Um, I write about life, whatever's on my mind. I, I like to be a very positive sort of person. So I'm going to record a video for one later on today called Potential. Um, the starting lines is, uh, you've, got so you've got potential, you must be proud as punch. You're perfectly poised to perform at a level predicted by parents, partners and teachers in class to become a perfected person. Well done. But perhaps we need to challenge your perspective. So it's like, it's a life thing, yeah. but let me take it apart and challenge how you think about it. So most of my pieces are about, some are a bit political, but mainly it's about empowering people through whichever path I decide to take that day. No, no amazing, amazing. So do you join the two worlds together? The spoken word and the uh, aim a little higher? So there, yes and no. Yes, in a sense of spoken words, actually what made aim a little higher start to get bookings. Yeah. Because they see a spoken word like, oh, we like that. We want you into our, speak to our kids. And I used to perform it in assemblies. I am your typical entrepreneur because I get bored of my own ideas. Yeah. I did it for a while. I was like, oh, this is fun. I've got a few claps for it. Got to stop doing that now. And recently I've sort of sat down and gone, hold on, Kamal. You need to go back, continue to do it. 
and don't stop now. You're going to keep on doing this. So now I'm back at a place where it's going to be very heavily integrated. Yeah. Um, the goal now is to be at a point where I can give a speech, slip into a poem, and then come back out and continue the speech. And it's like, well, what happened? I've Amazing. done that a few times, and it's just it's hilarious for me watching the audience. Yeah. Go, oh, that rhymed. <laughs> oh, so did that. Oh, so did that. Oh, wait, it's a fight. And then coming back out of the other end. So, yeah, now it's a lot more intertwined, but it's honestly been a journey to get there. Um, yeah. My wife has been brilliant because she's been on my case so much to continue writing. Ah, I know, amazing. And I think it's, it's, really, it's really, really clever what you do, really inspiring what you do as well. And you, you said you're the first, uh, the first lesson of the first topic. Oh, yeah. And you're a pop, and you're a popular chap as well. Um, so your, uh, your, your first lesson that you spoke about before was about knowing yourself. Yes. So I, th- I think that's so important. So, and just put a little bit of context behind this is, uh, so in uh, 2018, I lost my best mate. And just before, before he died, he was like, terminal with cancer. Yes. And um, his perspective on life completely changed. And mm. when, it, when I recognised that he, he was seeing things differently, um, I asked, he, he offered me some money from, and, and stuff. I said, I said, no, I said, I want three lessons through your eyes, through what's most important to you at this point in time when you're yeah. really assessing. Um, he's 30, he was 39 years old. I was going, what, you've got a boy who's um, 16 and a boy who's uh, 14. Or, what is it that's really important to you? And the first one he said is always be yourself. Which when you when you said what your first one was, that's that's the first thing that hit me. Then it's just it's so I think it's so important. So I, what when I'm with business leaders and um, and 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 teams now, the first thing I, I work on is their mindset. And so I take and always be themselves to to mastering that self talk in the head and understanding and understanding that. But what is it? What is it to you? What does it? What do you want your um, the the people that sit in your audience to to take from that lesson? Yeah. Well, firstly, gee, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss. Like, it's. It's crazy that I think a lot of us do that, where we, we sort of just coast through and then something happens and then we're like, oh, let me now use this as my trigger. And if we could get to like that place where you're at now, earlier, we'd all be yeah. so much happier and fulfilled. Completely. I think for me, when I talk to audiences about knowing yourself, especially in secondary schools <laughs> where... It is, you feel more sort of empowerment, more fulfillment by fitting in than from standing out to actually show them, no, that's, that's backwards. You need to figure out who you are. And what that means to me practically is them being able to know what they like, knowing what they dislike, and knowing what their personal standards are. So for me, it was about figuring out what I enjoyed doing. I tried football, I wasn't very good. I tried rugby, I was too scared. Um, eventually I tried dance and everyone was like, why are you dancing? You're a guy. And I was like, I like dance, I'm gonna dance. Created a street dance crew, competed at nationals, had this amazing run. And then all of a sudden, oh, everyone loves to dance. Oh, come and perform it here, come perform here. Yeah. And it was just, I tried to show them that, look, at first it was really awkward and difficult, but once I owned who I was completely, people came around anyway. And those people who didn't like me, that was fine as well. It didn't matter anymore because yeah. I was just being myself. Yeah. I always challenge audiences, give me a job that you can do when no one will have anything negative to say. And they have a thing. And I get vet. And I'm like, uh, vet's cool until you save the dog that bit me. Yeah. Or until you put down my dog who bit someone else. And he's normally a lovely dog. He just had a, one bad moment. A doctor. I'm like, waiting times 
NHS waiting times. And I see my GP for 15 minutes. That's not enough time to assess me properly. And challenge her to just give me one job. Can you think of a job where nothing negative is said? Just don't um, think it exists. No, no, no. So what, what about your job? Oh, I've had negative things about my job. I've had, you shouldn't be paid for doing this. I'm like, oh, okay, why? Well, because you're only going in because kids aren't feeling confident in themselves. Wow. Like, right. So you shouldn't be profiting from that. I'm like, I get where you're coming from. If you think about it, I'm going in to try and build their confidence. So I'm sort of doing myself out of business, if anything. I should go in there and tell them they're rubbish so that they hire me more. And they were like, well, oh, yeah, well, I guess so. And I'm like, how much is it worth? What's the price on a child who has really low self-esteem and isn't trying, switching that around and trying really hard and going and living a happy life? How much is that worth? And you can't put a price on it. And no. It's like, well, yeah. Anytime you deliver a service that produces a positive result, you should be paid. And I think you have a really sensitive feel around the idea of being paid. I did for a while until I got my head around you are paid for your ability to do something and solve a problem. That, yeah. That's it. So, yeah. I've, I've, people, and a lot of people do turn around to me and say, what about what you do? This is just positive. And I'm like, no, there's 20% of you in here probably can't stand it. Yeah, no, completely. completely. Have, you had the, have you ever had the opportunity to speak to somebody that has been um, at some of your workshops and sessions and then spoke to them a few years later and understood the impact that you've had on them? Oh, yes. I've been doing it for a while. I get messages and it's the most crazy thing because I think you go into, I think we all start out doing these jobs, doing these businesses, thinking we can do it. But then when like you get the feedback, like, no, you really did it. And here's exactly what you did. It, it floors me still where I'm like, yeah. really? Me? Really? Wow. And my instant thing is say thank you, but remind them all I did was trigger one thought that made you do the action. It's all you. Yeah. I just happened to be. But um, recently a, a lady reached out and she shared a, a poem and said, this random guy came into my school once and because of him, I've got this agent. Because of him, I feel better about myself. Because of him, I'm performing on stage in the UK. And I was like, wow. Amazing. Yeah, there's no feeling like it. It's, it's crazy to think your words or a story or something you did made someone have a thought that changed the whole projection of their life. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, that is that is amazing. That's like that is like a footballer scoring a goal, isn't it? Or even more, it's more than that um, for for you yeah. and, and doing what you do and that that feeling. No, oh, yeah, amazing, amazing. And um, I was you said earlier on that you're a father, and I was like, how old's your little one? So I've got two. I've got a four-year-old and a nine-month-old. Oh wow, wow! And do you? How do you take what you do during the day? And, and help you in what you do as a parent. The reason I ask as well, so I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old, what, what is it that I can do with them to make them grow? Yeah, it's a funny one because you, they see me all the time. So there's an element of going into a school and being the assumed authority in that situation because you've been hiding around a school, you must know what you're talking about. Yeah. Whereas with your own kids, they're like, your daddy. So... It's, it's a bit of a different conversation, but I think for me, I try really hard to let her lose. So we had a game of rock, paper, scissors the other day. Yeah. She won the last biscuit. And I was like, oh, you can have it. She's like, no, play rock, paper, scissors for it. And okay, and I won. And she's like, oh no, but I won it. I was like, well, you lost now. 
Hmm. And she's like crying, but no, I, I really want it. And I was like, but you wanted the game, you've now lost. I'm now going to eat it. <laughs> and it's like just little things like that, trying to, it feels harsh in the moment, but just trying to teach them that, look, you'll lose and you need to be able to deal with that and get back up. Yeah. When she wants to do something and gives up on it, it's like, no, I need you to try. It's trying to push her to be more independent. Um, she falls over. I will not run over to you. I, I just won't run over. I will wait. I'll say, oh, I might make a joke about it and let see what you see what you do. Because yeah. I learned that they look at you for like a split second. Then if you remember, if you see it where they fall, they look at you, and then when you go, <gasps> they go, and then they they cry. When you yeah. laugh, they go, oh, <laughs> it was funny. So I'm just trying to like plant all these subconscious little things about resilience and trying harder um, into their mind. And I think my wife's been amazing at getting her to feel comfortable with being whoever she wants to be. Yeah. So my little girl's room right now, she's got a wall full of unicorns, a dinosaur, light, an arsenal top. She plays football and does ballet. And my wife's been amazing at getting rid of my ideas of like these gender roles and that's for boys, that's for girls. I really want a boy because I could take him football. And it's like, well, I've taken her football and she watches Arsenal with me and she's got her arsenal top and she plays. And so it's just been a really cool mix of letting them have their identity, letting them feel yeah. comfortable in who they are and also giving them some of the harsh realities of the world yeah. really subtly. Yeah. So no. me to, I'll be like, cool, you're going to pay tax now so I'm going to take a bit of your drink. Here you go. <laughs> just yeah. things like that. Oh, amazing. And is, is that why you, uh, you got her an Arsenal top to kind of balance out and to punish her a little? Her <sighs> <laughs> Arsenal top to, to learn what it's like to, to fail and, yeah. to, and to try and have faith and, and go through disappointment and still, still stick with that, that goal and that loyalty. <laughs> oh, all, all, all that hurts. That hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> all that hurt, all that pain. Yeah. When we go to Arsenal Women, it's a lot better. When, when I put Arsenal Women on TV, it's like, look, they're good. They're good. Watch them. Because the, the lads, I don't know what's going on at the moment. Yeah, no, amazing. Amazing. No, good stuff. So, I mean, everything that you spoke about is so transferable, irrelevant of age. Do you... That's really funny to hear because I... My wife's been really good at trying to get me to do more talks with adults. Um, I've always probably brainwashed myself into thinking, oh, you're young. You're only 25. Adults have lived longer than you. They're not going to want to hear from you and your input. And that's been a real personal battle that I've been slowly overcoming. And my wife now owns half the business. So she runs the admin. She deals with the clients all that kind of thing. So I keep yeah. finding bookings where I'm going to teach, speak to adults and speak to teachers. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Do that. No, you are. Go. And I get that feedback of, actually, no, what you said there, it's really made me think, why am I in this job? Or, oh, I'd start this job because I loved it, but actually. And that's the most crazy one for me, when an adult tells me I've affected them. Then I'm like, whoa. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that because every, everything that you're saying to me now, I'm thinking, I've, I have, I've had a similar conversation about something or I can recognise it in, in some people. So, yeah, it's, they definitely do transfer irre irrelevant of age. So I think, I think what you have yeah. hit upon is, is a recipe that, that can definitely help anybody, which I think is, is really powerful. So when you say aim a little higher, you don't have to be like 16, 18 years old. Aim a little higher. Anybody can aim a little higher. That's it. It's really powerful. That's silly. It should be aim a lot higher. I'm like, oh, no, it's not aim a lot higher. It's, it's doing a little bit more today and then they'll do the same tomorrow and then the same the next yeah. day. Like, 
Stop this, aim a lot higher, be the best ever. No, start now and build it. Yeah, completely. completely. Somebody, somebody said to me last week, I think it was, it's easier to walk upstairs than climb a wall or jump a wall. And that's yeah. that, ex- that exact same <laughs> thing, isn't it? It's uh, easier yeah, just those, those steps. That's it. And I think if we can all get into that place where we're fine with taking the small steps and we're fine with being sort of resilient and trying and, and working towards it and not too emotionally attached to the result, I think things will go way better and we'll have a, uh, the statistics of, of businesses that fail will go down because I wonder how many of them fail and how many of them give up and I just think people should adopt the idea of doing something long enough to see what happens it's sort yeah. of how I look at things I'm, yeah. I'm going to just do this business long enough to see what would have happened rather than stop now and go oh, I wonder how it would have gone because the first few years of business phew, tough times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you're and you're living oh, and breathing, and, and you've you've gone through that, haven't you? And you've lived and, and breathed that as well. Oh, absolutely! Like getting yourself into debt to try and support your family, like not telling my. I remember when we first got together, I used all of my wife's savings to live because the business wasn't going well enough to support us moving out and having our own place, and got myself in credit card debt because I was like, I don't want to tell her that it's not going well, and just. The, the growth you have going through that, yeah. learning actually I can talk to my wife about this stuff, her actually becoming part of the solution as well. Yeah. It's just such a learning curve of getting rid of your ego and having some real resilience and being okay with failing and trying again and losing a massive client and being like, okay, what now? And going and getting another one. It's, yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful journey when you're not, letting everything hit your heart yeah yeah how did you keep motivated how did you keep going through that i think i just genuinely believe this is me like i just think i found my thing i think i am i've always been an effective communicator i could always like talk my way out of trouble or talk my way into like an extra ice bun at lunchtime from the lunch ladies or i didn't really have that many teachers that didn't like me yeah, they'd be frustrated with me at school or that kind of thing but there were only like two that didn't like me and I was just like I'm just that's where my thing is I'm a good communicator and I'm good with an audience so I can act I can be a comedian I can be a speaker Com- comedy the pressure sounds really scary <laughs> the acting was just about me getting craps and being this yeah. guy who gets to work with amazing people but it was more ego than impact. Being a speaker, I'm on stage. I get to perform. I get freedom to chuck a poem in today. I've sang in front of audience. I can't sing and save my life, but it's just, it's funny. It's like, I'm going to show you something I'm bad at and live that bit of my dream. Yeah. It's, it just fits. So I was like, it's me. Amazing. I'm going to keep doing it until I'm literally on my knees and physically cannot do it. No one's booking me. I'm being the feedback is that I'm rubbish from every speech I do. Then I'll switch. Yeah. Wow. Well, do you have, a, do you have any funny jokes? I know you said about a comedian. Do you have any funny jokes? I need some new material. Uh, so, jokes aren't my forte. I've got funny stories, you know? Like, I always tell stories of me going into this new school and being like the only black dude and walking in going, Where's the black people? And they're like, It's just you. And I remember him standing next to me and going, Can you run fast? Do you rap? And audiences laugh at it. One, yeah. because I speak in a lot of rural places where yeah. there don't see many black people. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, I know it's broken the ice Got of, oh, okay, 
we were kind of thinking that, but he's hit it nail on. And also having a bit of like fun with it. I talk about the ball I was running in my first game of football ever and they went to clear the ball by kicking it, you know, through my face. Yeah. And I said dots, I got subbed, I got dropped from the team for five years. And talking about run away from the rugby. They, um, these four guys running at me looked like their parents had given them steroids instead of breast milk. They were <laughs> the biggest year sevens I'd seen in my life. And I just threw the ball and was like, oh, just leave me out. Yeah. Wow. So like most of my failures are fairly funny. So I just yeah. tell them about my failures. <laughs> And I just when, don't think it funny as a stand-up show. No. When you were going through that difficult period as well, what was the tipping point where, where you started to actually say there's light at the end of the tunnel that you can be successful on this on this journey that you're on? Um, it was the market. The market of when I did eventually get a book in and speak, the feedback was really positive. The kids stayed behind and shook my hand. The kids yeah. wanted pictures. The kids messaged family on it, social media and messaged me afterwards. The teacher Amazing. said, I really like that. Thank you. A teaching assistant would say, I know I'm 58, but I really, when you said this, it really made me think. Yeah. So I was like, well, the product's clearly good. I just, I'm not very good at marketing. I'm not very good at recording people and getting their feedback and putting it on my website and getting referrals. Yeah. I just try to take the emotion out of it because the product's clearly good. And think, well, if I've got a good product that's not selling, what's the problem? Yeah. And just got rid of my ego and started asking people and started asking for help and got a bit of mentorship and just was open to feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And took some on and ignored some completely. So, again, there are more lessons that are transferable to irre- irrelevant, uh, irrelevant of age, aren't they? So, that journey that you've gone through is, is, is so um, understandable to so many different people. Uh, whether they're at school or, or not at school, so because you've lived and breathed it, so I definitely definitely think you've got so many messages that you could give to so many different people as well uh, in in your own, oh, in your, in your own style. Yes, yeah, so no, it's good. Well, well powerful, well powerful. What does somebody as inspiration as you have a bit of tea or dinner what? or din- dinner? Well, is it what is it tea or dinner in Peterbridge on like the evening meal? What is that? Oh, it's dinner, it's dinner. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, right. dinner. What, yeah, what, I mean, what, some people in Peterborough will give you the tea talk, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. But I grew up in, uh, I was born in Ealing. I moved to Peter when I was 11. So I got a little bit of, a little bit of the London primary experience. Yeah. Which sets you up great in a place like Peterborough, my gosh. Uh, and, what, and what do you have for your dinner? Uh, so I'm vegan. Oh, wow. So I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think this is three out of the last four um, conversations I've had on a podcast. Have been with uh, vegetarian or vegans. It's bizarre. No way. Yeah, take it off the world. We're growing. Yeah. Uh, so my favourite dinner at the moment is sweet potato wedges. Oh, peel that sweet potato, chop it up, chuck it in the oven. It's gorgeous. Uh, with chicken Kiev, M&S vegan chicken Kiev is gorgeous. Yeah. I was just about to say then that uh, that's not very vegan. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a bunch of vegetables at the moment. That's my poison right now. My wife is um, Italian, so anything with pasta and pest, I've been introduced to that world and it's a great world to be in. Yeah, no, perfect. Perfect. Good. What's next for you? So my plan right now is to continue the speaking and grow a team. Um, I'd like to have sort of five young people going out speaking yeah why 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 young people when you said that um i think my usp as a speaker has hugely been my age okay even little things like i say gcse's rather than saying o levels or i can reference tv shows or i can you get away of using certain slang that 
doesn't feel too cringy yeah. and barriers are broken. And when I say, look, I've been in your shoes, they believe me. Whereas when they teach, they say, I've been in your shoes, they're like, whatever. Yeah. So I feel like there's something powerful about young people talking to young people. Yeah. And I mean, I mean numerically young, not mentally young. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I'd like, I'd like to have sort of five of those going out. And then I want to continue the spoken word and keep yeah. on. I've recently had probably four or five companies hire me to portray their messages um, in a more sort of engaging way. So I want to continue to do that. Um, so you've got the aim at hiring the spoken word, get into real estate. And I want to do student accommodation. Oh, wow. Because I think student accommodation really expensive, but they don't give the students anything other than a house. And I'm like, if you're charging that much extra, why would you not have someone come in and do a lesson on life? Why would you not have someone come in and talk to them about taxes? Why would you not? So I'm doing student accommodation, but with a bit of a... With um, an aim, an aim a little higher way. Yeah, no, hey, good, good, because that's your target audience as well, isn't it? So perfect. That's it. And Perfect. then the final thing, angel investing in young people's ideas. These people who I'm saying potential over circumstance, they're like, that's really nice, Kamal, but I need a grand. <laughs> and my parents aren't going to give it to me because I don't have it. So I'm all with your potential over circumstances, mate, but I need some money to then yeah. be able to go, all right, a thousand pounds, I want 5% and we'll work on it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's the end goal, angel investing. Uh, wow. And and that's me. I think that's me. I'll always speak real estate and angel investing, and I will be. Wow. Are you sure you're only 25? You have such an, a, a wise old head for, uh, for somebody that says they're 25. <laughs> this has always been the case for me. A lot of my um, closest friends were a lot older, actually. Um, but yeah, I've always, I think I've just been, I can't, I couldn't say why, but I've always been sort of interested in older things or what the world has to offer later I don't know I just even when I was quite young I remember like going clubbing and we'd be in the club dancing and the guy would be rapping about like all this money and I'd be like why are we why are we here because we're all singing like I woke up in a new Bugatti which is a really popular song at the time <laughs> I was like I've never sat in one of you <laughs> like, we could be at home like right doing business and just I don't know it's always been at the back of my mind and I met my wife when I was I think I was 19 when I first met her. Yeah. And we moved in within a number of months and everyone's like, that's so soon, what are you doing? You'll find out what they're really like if you move in with them. And I'm like, well, surely, surely that's what I should be trying to do, right? Find out what she's really like. Yeah. And then proposed after oh, probably nine months of being together. Wow, you fast mover. Yeah, well, she's out of my league. So why... Why give her a chance to figure that out? So, <laughs> is, is, she in, is she in the room with you at the minute? Why are you saying that? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> she's way out of my league. So I was like, right, marry her, get some kids in the oven, and then she's, she's contractually obliged to be with me. So There you go. You've always got a plan, <laughs> You've always got a plan haven't you? Always got a plan. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, no, it, I don't know where it comes from. I just think some people are just wired a bit a bit differently and that's all it is just wired a little bit differently yeah. excited by different things no amazing amazing so as i said right at the very start i think you're doing something that's really really inspirational really exciting and just to see those faces that of the people that are on your front row second row third row of when when you're talking is uh 
is re- is really heartwarming and, and stuff. Um, so if somebody does want to know a little bit more about you, about how they can get in contact with you, how do they go about that? Um, so I am three places, really. Instagram, at Kamal Hyman, because I'm always on there and you can message me easily. Um, LinkedIn, I'm learning to try and be as good as you on LinkedIn. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm there on LinkedIn, Kamal Ellis Hyman on LinkedIn, and then the, the website, which is aimalittlehigher.com. Um, Perfect. So everything we do. And yeah, if there's any young people who need inspiring, and actually we are starting to do corporate now. I have got over it a bit. I do, I, I do speak to businesses now. Yeah, with the same three, with the same three lessons. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's all I know. Know yourself. Know your vision. Build your dreams. That that's that's what I believe. It's what I'm about. Yeah. The only other thing I could do is talk some entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, because I know that pretty well now too. Yeah. No, amazing. But aside from that. That that's just my belief is once you know yourself and you're clear on what you want and you're willing to realize it's a build not a chase you will be fine there we go there we go and it, if, it, if i could pick a perfect point to uh, to end this conversation i think it would be that with what you just said there actually um so i just want to say thank you very much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure to uh to finally get to get to chat to you and just to feed off some of this energy and uh, this inspiration that, uh, that you've got so so thank you very much good luck with everything and uh, i'm sure it's going to be a massive success so thanks very much Kamal. well thanks for having me i appreciate it and uh, thanks for lending us your ears thanks for listening to business problems solved you can contact lee on linkedin facebook instagram or twitter by searching for lee horton the business problem solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.